Some of you remember Paul Harvey. The rest of the story. For those of you who don't, Paul Harvey used to tell a magnificent story, and then he would stop and pause. Then he would tell the rest of the story, and there was always a thing. And John seemed to end his gospel that way. You read John chapter 30, uh, the, the end of John chapter 20, pardon me, verse 30, and he said, these things have been written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Good. Good book, John. Good story. Afterward begins chapter 21, and you say, wait a minute, we thought you were all done. You told us the purpose, what's going on? And there's been some question about why this additional chapter, why John 21? And after much study and leading all the different views, I have come to a conclusion. I don't know. <laughs> but I think, I think what John wanted to say, to rephrase Yogi Berra, it ain't over when it's over. And John had told us this magnificent story of Jesus and how he came to the, into the world to save us from our sin, to die in our place so that we could have eternal life and live eternally with him and to have a quality of life while we're on this planet. He said, I didn't come just to give you life insurance. In fact, salvation, relationship with Christ, isn't life like insurance, like life insurance. Life insurance, it doesn't kick in until you die. It's a great deal, but you've got to die to collect. <laughs> Jesus said, this isn't that way. Now, there is a great benefit after you leave this planet because you spend eternity with me. But eternal life begins the moment you receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. In John 21, Jesus said, I want you to, pardon me, I believe John, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is saying, now take another breath, because after Jesus left the earth, a whole new deal kicked in. After Jesus' crucifixion, a whole new thing started. And he illustrated that with this wonderful story of Peter. Now imagine, Jesus had been crucified. Their dreams were dashed. Jesus had promised his apostles that they would sit on thrones, ruling with him in his kingdom. And they fully anticipated that, wow, after this entrance into Jerusalem that we celebrated two Sundays ago, they were just waiting that week. When's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? And as the week went on, it didn't happen. Jesus was murdered by the Roman soldiers, nailed him to a cross. Three days later, he came back. And he had appeared, according to John's gospel, after Jesus' resurrection, he had appeared to them two times. No real conversation. Both meetings were very brief. And no time to sit down and talk. And, and I, I wonder how Peter must have felt. Peter had blown it big time. I wonder if he had said, Lord, I, I, I need to talk to you. I, I need to tell you I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, I've got to get this off my chest. Well, not knowing what to do next, their hopes have been dashed. They didn't know what was going to happen. Yes, he's raised from the dead, but w what's in it for us? Everything seems to have changed. We're not going to get thrones, obviously. So Peter said, well, I've got to make a living. 
got to feed my family. I'm going back fishing. And he and six other of Jesus' disciples went back out on the Sea of Galilee, and they were fishing. John tells us in John 21, they fished all night and caught nothing. As the morning came, they saw on the shore there was somebody over there, and, and they could see in the distance that there was a fire going. And as they got closer to shore, they could smell there was fish. He was this guy. And, and so this, this, this person on the shore, and eventually they did recognize it as Jesus, said, hey, you caught any fish? Eh, bad thing to ask a fisherman who hasn't caught any fish. You caught any? No, it was a bust. Jesus said, throw the net on the other side. They did that. And, and, and John, tell, uh, John tells us the, the, the nets were so full, they were afraid they were going to break. They couldn't even haul it into shore. And John said to Peter, it's got to be the Messiah. It's got to be Jesus. So Peter leaped overboard, leapt, is that the word? Leapt overboard, jumped into the water, and swam to shore, and, and came up on the shore. And, and uh, uh, Jesus said, hey, come on, guys, all you guys, come on over here. We're, I've cooked some fish and bread for you. Let's have breakfast. Okay, so that's the beginning of John 21. I want to pick the story up down here in verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord. You, you know that I love you. Jesus said, again, said to him, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yeah, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. A third time, he said to Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Now, that first question, do you love me more than these? Again, there's a question, what did Jesus point to? When Jesus asks you and me, how much do you love me? Do you love me more than, did Jesus point to the other disciples and say, do you love me more than these other guys love me? Well, how would you answer that question? Do I love Jesus more than you love Jesus? We have a, a pastor on our staff named Kathy Apotion. Most of you know her. Kathy's got this great, big, old heart full of love. I mean, she loves, like, and if Jesus were to say to me, do you love me more than Kathy? I'd say, I don't think I could. <laughs> I don't think I could love anything more than Kathy. Say, what's the point? Is it going to be, am I going to get a bigger piece of pie when I get to heaven if I love you more than Kathy does? And I think Peter would say, I, 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 John's the love guy. I mean, could I love you more than so, we don't know, but that one doesn't work for me. Do you love me more than you love these guys? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> nice guys, but... But, you know, I, I was teaching that, preparing to teach that one day, and, and that question, if that's the possibility, uh, do you love me more than you love other people. And remember, Jesus said, Luke 14, uh, Matthew 10, if you love your husband, your wife, your father, your mother, your children more than you love me, you can't be my disciple. 
And, and, and I, 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 I prayed. I said, Lord, I got to tell you, I love Jeanette more than I love you. And it really bothered me. And, and, and I went, Ephesians, husband, love your wives more than Christ loved the church. Or as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So you've commanded me to love Jeanette like you love the church. And, and, and so I worried about that for a few days. And then it occurred to me, I love Jesus in a different way than I love Jeanette. It would be kind of weird for me to love Jesus the way I love Jeanette. I mean, come on. So that question didn't make a lot of sense to me. So did Jesus point to the boats and the nets and the thing that drew Peter back after all of this and said, do you love me more than you love your former way of life? Do you love me enough to abandon the, your, your, your security, your living, what you feel called to, your career, your, your hobbies, the things that mean all this stuff to you? Do you love me more than these things? And once again, we don't really know where Jesus pointed. But when Jesus said, do you love me more than anything? The quest in my life is to grow to the place where I say yes. And that only comes by cultivating a relationship with him. I guess the reason I love Jeanette differently than I love Jesus was I saw her. I was with her in a different way. And the only way I know to love Jesus and to see that grow is to spend time with him like I spent time with her. To, to talk with him and listen to him and to read his letters to me and to appreciate all that he is and all that he does. But is it true of you that sometimes you go for days without hardly even thinking about him? I think what Jesus was asking Peter, is there anything in your life, is there anything in your life that you love so much that you would deny me, that you would walk away from me? Interesting question. Because the three times of asking the question reminds us of another three times situation. Three times Peter had denied Jesus. And so when Jesus said to Peter, do you love me? Do you love me more than anything else? Peter said three times, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And then the third time, yes, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Peter was right. Jesus knew the answer to that question? Well, if Jesus knew the answer to that question, do you love me, why did he ask Peter the question? Well, Jesus asked Peter if Peter loved him, not because Jesus needed to know the answer. Jesus asked Peter if he loved him because Peter needed to know the answer. And I have to tell you, I have to ask myself that question on a fairly regular basis, because I love a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff gets in the way. 
have to stop and say, do I really love you more than anything else? And I think what Jesus was doing in this first conversation with Peter is saying, Peter, I'm going to take the initiative to rebuild this relationship that you have violated. It's painful to know that you denied me three times. <laughs> my Peter, my, my Peter, you're the dude, guy. And you denied me? Whoa, that hurts. But guess what, Peter? I'm here for you. I want to rebuild this. I'm going to open the conversation. I'm going to initiate it. I love you that much. Do you love me enough to engage in this to get this resolved? But you know, Peter wasn't the only one who violated his commitment to Jesus in those last days of Jesus' time on earth. Judas also had violated that relationship. And both Peter and Judas had heard Jesus say at least on two occasions. Jesus said, it's recorded in Mark 8, if anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. Whoa. I wonder how that hit Peter and Judas when they heard that. Then later, during the late Judean ministry, Luke chapter 12, Jesus said, I tell you, whoever publicly acknowledges me before others, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. But whoever disowns me before others will be disowned before the angels of God. This is serious stuff. And here's Peter standing there. Saying, yeah, Lord, I love you. Yeah, I do. Thanks for giving me the chance to tell you. But after those two violations, Judas and Peter, Matthew tells us that when Judas, who had betrayed Jesus, saw that he was condemned, he was seized with remorse. He returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders. I have sinned, he said, for I have betrayed innocent blood. So Judas threw the 30 pieces of silver into the temple and left and went away and hanged himself. Peter, on the other hand, we read about as Peter's third denial in Matthew 26. After a little while, those standing nearby went up to Peter and said, Surely you're one of Jesus' disciples. Your accent gives you away. Peter began to call down curses, and he swore to them, I don't even know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed. Peter remembered the words Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And Peter went outside and wept bitterly. Two guys. One betrayed, one denied. Both violated a deep relationship. 
Two men failed Jesus in his hour of need. But we see two contrasting responses to those failures. Just like you and me. That moment when I know I've blown it. When I have violated my commitment to my Lord. Either by not speaking up for him. By doing something I know offends him. What do I do? Do I let that fester? Do I say I'm embarrassed to talk to Jesus? Like sometimes I was embarrassed to talk to Jeanette or my kids or my friends. Or do I weep bitterly because I have sinned? Genuine, heartfelt repentance. I am so sorry, Lord that I did that. Now what? Judas didn't know what to do next. Or perhaps he did and didn't have the courage. And he ended the relationship. He walked away. And I'm not naive enough to think that there aren't some people here this morning who have said, you know, I walked away. My heart's cold. It's been a while since I've had a serious talk with Jesus. I've been doing stuff, and it just doesn't bother me anymore. I essentially went and hanged my spiritual self. Maybe others who say, I've never had a relationship with Jesus. I don't even know what you're talking about. Well, if either of these things is true of you, we will have some folks down here after the service to pray with you. We'd love to have you come and settle accounts, whether it's I've never asked Jesus to forgive my sins and become a born-again Christian. I've never done that. Or I've done it, but that was long ago and far away, and, and I really live at a distance from Jesus. I've hanged my spiritual self. Or like Peter, you can say, Lord, I confess my sin. I recognize it. may not weep bitterly, but there is that deep sense of sorrow. Peter believed and accepted Jesus' invitation, invitation to enter into a conversation, to renew his love, to restore his fellowship. Because Peter understood that We have a great high priest who has now ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God. So let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Never stop believing that if we confess our sins, Jesus is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Say, follow me, feed my sheep, take care of my lambs. Not only do I forgive you, I trust you. I restore you to ministry. I want to work through you. What a fabulous thing. What an unbelievable. For we don't have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tested in everything just as we are, yet without sin. So come boldly. 
to the throne of grace to receive mercy and find grace to help in your time of need. Father, thank you for this invitation. Thank you that you are alive. You are alive, and you're active in our lives. You know us better than we know ourselves. You accept us more fully than we accept ourselves. You love us more than we love ourselves. And you're saying, come, come, mercy. May we come in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.